Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Talking Trading. I'm your host, financial journalist, Caroline Stephen. Our show today features part two of our interview with stock market wizard, Mark D. Cook. You know, I interview at crazy hours for Talking Trading, especially when the interviews are in the States or in Europe. Sometimes they're early in the morning and sometimes very late at night. For Mark Cook, it was a very late at night interview. But after the questions, we kept chatting for another few hours right into the wee hours of the morning. Mark Cook was very entertaining and he was quite charming. He's people intelligent as well as market intelligent and he's passionate about trading. He works hard. He worked hard as a farmer and he works hard as a trader. In part two of his interview today, we speak to him about his work ethic We discuss how persistency breeds consistency and how a share trader must never rest on their laurels. We talk about the importance of a trading plan suiting someone's personality and why Mark says if you personify your strengths and subdue your weaknesses, you will be profitable. Welcome to part two of the garrulous farmer and stock market wizard from East Sparta, Ohio. We'll talk about the market and how it's performing in a minute. I'd just like to go to your trading motto, which is work hard and the trading will be profitable. Success is consistency and perseverance. Now, you are really well known for working hard. You work hard as a farmer. You work hard as a trader. Even your wife, you've mentioned that your wife comments on how hard you work. Tell us about your work ethic. Well, that's a very good question. The, uh, uh, my number one thing I look at is that when I started my own trading company, my father said to me, uh, he said, what happens if you don't make it? I said, well, there's people that are better connected than I. There's people that are better educated than I. There's people that are more experienced than I am. But there isn't going to be anybody that would outwork me. And literally, I worked around the clock uh, doing my assessments, my evaluations to look at the intricacies of the market and the internals of it in regard to that. So when I teach people, when people come to see me, uh, literally from all over the world, I've had people from Australia that have journeyed over to to, uh, spend time with me trading. That's one of the first things that I hammer into everybody's mind that you must work hard. You must, it's not an eight hour job. Uh, The situation is that sometimes you have to figure out 
when the best time is to do trading. And my one another one of my credos is there's always an opportunity to make money. My job is to find that opportunity. Now, also, what else you ask in regard to this? The persistency breeds consistency. So the more persistent that you are uh, in your endeavors of something that you believe in will breed consistency over time. In the U.S. Investing Championship that particular year, uh, as I said, they audited all your returns. I had 91% winning trades over the course of 12 months. And the period that they're looking at, obviously, I didn't look at the winners. I looked at the losers. And that's one of the things that, you know, I think everyone who aspires to be a trader or is a trader uh, will also be looking at uh, as the focus of their own self-evaluation is what did I do wrong? What could I have done better and not rest on your laurels of a profitable situation in regard to it? Because a lot of times a profitable situation could just be mere luck and, you know, don't confuse genius for a bull market and that situation that you're looking at now uh, in, in regard to it I mean in the situation we're talking about here 2016 uh, is a consequence that's persisted here for quite a while but once a person becomes consistent and I'm talking consistency of 75% of their days I'm talking a day trader that they're profitable they're going to make a lot of money and once you get up to this level, if you can increase this from 75% uh, winning days and get it up to 77% or 80%, the bottom line increases exponentially. What's your trading percentage? During the time, the Stock Market Wizards book, when uh, the gentleman who was the author, Jack Swagger, interviewed me to be selected for the book, you had to provide a track record. I sent him nine years of my yearly evaluations. I sent him actually all the statements. So he had that in front of him. And he did all the work uh, in regard to looking at uh, what trades I did, how much money I made per trade, what the percentages were, winning versus losing percentage, consistency, Months that were good, bad situation, drawdown, and everything in regard to that. So to answer your question was, during that period of time, I had 87% uh, winning days over that span of nine years. I don't know what it is currently. I don't keep track of it. I just count the money out when I get to the bank now. Mark, why do people fail as traders? And what advice would you give to new traders? Well... It's two situations that you're asking about. New traders starting out do not have a perception of what they're getting into. Uh, I've seen a lot of career-oriented people in various other careers that were very successful, maybe business people uh, or doctors, lawyers in regard to that and have specifics in regard. They try to carry over what successes they had in that respective uh, career field, that doesn't work with trading. The market doesn't care uh, if you have a PhD from Harvard or it doesn't care if you dropped out of school in eighth grade 
Uh, it doesn't care if you're male. It doesn't care if you're female. It doesn't care if you're 25 years old or if you're 95 years old. It doesn't care what your background is in regard to anything. You are what you are according to that trade that you're doing or the position or the manner that you go into. So I'm big in regard to evaluating and helping people evaluate their trading personality. And you could take a person if they tried to trade against their makeup or their, their own individual personality, they're always in a conflict. So what I've found is that one size doesn't fit all in regard to approach, which uh, bothers me that a lot of advocates of trading that are teaching and publicizing in regard to that, they take a situation and they say, well, this particular black box approach is going to work for everyone. That's not going to be the case because you have different people with different personalities, and I could go into uh, belaboring that point quite a bit, but that's one of the points of where uh, potential success uh, becomes failure because they're trying to trade outside of what their personality is. I have two basic personalities that I talk about with people. There are innies and there are outies. And an innie is someone that is compelled, and this is from the get-go. In other words, they're, they're born with this particular compulsion to be in all the time. And that doesn't mean just trading. All events in life, you can go to a social uh, party, for example, and you watch the people. There's people that in the groups, they have to be telling the jokes. You know, they have to be commanding uh, what's going on in regard to that or a competition or regard to that. They delve right in. That's an innie, and that's fine. That's their particular personality. The Audi is more a person that calculates, that observes, that compiles before they step in. And a lot of people who try to be an Audi or try to be an any when they're this, the opposite, it doesn't work, so it's confliction. Now, there's more uh, extremes in one way or the other. I mean, there's, and, and as you mentioned uh, previously, a lot of the stock market wizards are very much introverts, and they're more of an Audi type of mentality. They watch for the perfect in their mind of where all their indicators line up before they attack. And so they're looking for this perfect shot with their rifle that one bullet will kill that they win the battle. And that's more those type, and that's why they have a lot of success, rather than having a machine gun there and just blasting everything in front of them without any regard while the other ones are shooting back at them. So that's kind of a graphic analogy, but that's what happens in regard to it. Second thing is, a lot of people that have come to me, and I get what I call bleeders. And bleeders are ones that have been trading for maybe two, three, four years. In fact, I had a gentleman just came to me here three weeks ago and uh, into my office, and I did mentoring with him, and he was with me for three days. Before he came, he told me, I just lost $2 million in the market. And so, and I said, I, I appreciate you telling me that. I said, we're going to figure out, you know, why this happens and where your vulnerabilities lie. So I have another saying that, you know, you need to personify your strengths and subdue your weaknesses. This particular gentleman when he's here, number one, he didn't have a good work ethic at all. He did not want to do the work. He came here to get a black box approach. 
which would be easy for him that he could coordinate and uh, put a trade on based on it going from A to Z uh, and his risk parameters in regard. He was always moving his stops. He didn't have good risk management. Um, he basically did not want to do the work. And uh, is he going to be successful? No, unless he's willing to do the work. So those two things are of knowing your personality and then being able to work. I, I say my success probably is more uh, in regard to my work ethic. Whenever I lose money or have a losing day or a losing period of time, I work a lot harder than when things are going well for me. So that's what I see often in regard to myself. And even my kids, when they were young, I'd come home, you know. And it's always a bad situation when you have a bad day trading and you come home and you want to kick the dog and you miss and kick your wife. Things get worse. More from stock market wizard Mark Cook right after the break. Louise Bethard here from tradinggame.com.au. You might know that there are three people who bring you this incredible free weekly trading podcast. Me, Chris Tate, my business partner, and Caroline Stephen, financial journalist and host of the Talking Trading Show. We want to spread the word and we want your help. You will know somebody who is interested in trading in your friendship circle, maybe at work, perhaps at the gym. This week, suggest that they go to talkingtrading.com.au and register their details. You see, good people know good people. And we want to make the Talking Trading community something that we can all be proud of. You have been the most amazingly responsive group of listeners. And we know that you'll think of somebody who will benefit from this world-class information. Go forth and find one person this week. And now back to stock market wizard, Mark D. Cook. We've talked about probably the worst trading experience you had with the naked option. Can we talk about a wonderful experience you've had trading? Fortunately, there's been quite a few of them, but I want us to do that a little bit. I'm more of a machine type thing. I, I call myself a blue collar trader. I make a little bit of money every day or using a baseball analogy, um, I hit a lot of singles and doubles. I don't swing for the fence. I don't try to hit home runs or grand slams in regard to that. So to I, I've had million-dollar months. You know, those situations, they occur. The market is, is what really dictates that. So it's predicated on the overall movement. When I have a lot of volatility in the market, for example, 2008, uh, with the market volatility into 2009, that was my best year I'd had in a decade because volatility gives me more opportunities to trade, and I'm really at it. When I, so I, I look at those type of circumstances in regard to it. So it's all in another story. In 1999, I spoke at a seminar out in Arizona, and uh, this was an individual seminar where people came in and they paid and they were with us for three or four days. And I spoke with another gentleman that had put this on, and we spoke on options in particular. But anyway, there was a lady that was there, and she was a doctor. In between the sessions, she came up and talked to me, and 
she showed me her portfolio and how she'd done on her trading. And I looked at it and I, I could I can tell in a moment by looking at somebody's statements pretty much what type of personality they have, because trading brings out the true nature of a personality. You can't hide things. You What's your personality? Hide... Big pardon? What's your personality? What's my personality? Uh, pretty much insanity uh, with <laughs> yeah, isolated periods of, of, of pure stupidity. So that's basically my personality. The way my, my personality, I'm an Audi, okay? So I really evaluate situations before I go in. But I'm committed whenever my indicators shape up that I will make a commitment and a very large commitment in regard to it. But I'm always looking over my shoulder now because of the episode in 1982. This lady I was talking about, I, I evaluated uh, her statement and I could see she just leveraged, leveraged, leveraged. And she asked me and uh, she told me at that particular time that how much money she had made. And she took $60,000 in a period of 15 months uh, up to over $500,000. And I, I looked her right in the eye. I said, you've done better than I have done over that span of time. Why don't you take $100,000 out of your account, put it in a bank account, lay it down? Because then you will always be profitable on your $60,000. She looked at me like I was crazy. She said, no, I lose some of my margin money that I can make more money. I said, yes, but you'll never lose your ambition, your initial investment. So, uh, of course, she didn't listen to me. Well, what she was doing was a lot of leverage. So in 2000, when the market turned south and uh, she was doing options, she was margining against the stock position she had to buy more uh, options in regard to it. So she was long a lot of calls. Well, of course, she would get a margin call on her stock positions going down, and then she would have to liquidate her options or they would expire worthless and everything. So she took that 500000 not only down to zero, but even below that because a lot of people, when they start feeding in, putting, you know, uh, good money after a bad situation. So anyway, that's there's one of the situations to talk about that over time it and I know I talk way more than <laughs> Mark, there's so many things yeah. I would like to ask you. Let's talk about the present market and how you see it performing. Well, first I want to say in 2007, the only place that would give me any print was a newspaper in Sydney, Australia <laughs> that interviewed me and I told them we are on the cusp of a disaster. The U.S. would not entertain any of this. Nobody wanted to hear this in regard to it. So having said that, that's one of the reasons I was very interested in, in talking with you this morning, because the way that the markets are intertwined internationally now, there is going to be no situations that are not or going to be unscathed. They're all going to be affected globally regarding the situation of a universal economy, drought, famine, depression, whatever you want to say in regard to that. This situation we have uh, has been predicated on central bank intervention, particularly in the United States, in Europe, and throughout the world. 
about any central bank that has a situation whereby that they've inflated and, and try to bring the economies and stabilize them. Regard. Well, you're playing for the here and now, and you're forgetting about the future. My CCT indicator is at the worst junction now for being overbought in the history of my indicator, which is now in its 25th year. Uh, we're in very, very dire circumstances. And all it will take for a little bit of a situation to start the erosion uh, would be some type of world event or some type of situation. And if you look back to what started the snowball into the avalanche in 2008-2009 was some of the internationally known uh, management companies, banks, investment firms or whatever becoming insolvent. I'm already seeing in the marketplace now, because as I say, I keep a diary every day, that we're starting to see thinness in all markets throughout the world. And when you start to see this type of thinness, it could be a matter of time, but uh, the uncertainty or the instability we see now will start to have a situation where it will road. Now, Three areas of equating now similarities is 1987, 2000, and 2008. The circumstance we're in now in 2016 are very similar to those particular years. It actually is more similar to 1987 than it is the other two years. And that pattern was that once the bubble burst, it's interesting, we hit the high in 1987 in August. And between August up until November that we saw that year, the market experienced in a period of basically six to eight weeks, 35% correction. From the levels we're at now, a 35% correction, just do the math on where we're at, would be devastating. And it will create some illiquidity uh, in some firms that are thin in regard to that. And the situation that we're looking at here now, how many bullets are left in the chamber for these central banks uh, to utilize to fight off uh, this type of economic collapse that you'll see. I'm not foretelling that it's going to be the end of the world. It's just that the elongation that we've had of not having a 20% correction is the longest I've ever seen uh, in my 40 years of trading. And ordinarily, the longer we go without a needed or necessary healthy correction, which would be 20%, then the more dire it is when it occurs. Mark, three words to sum up trading. Um, ah, that's very simple. Pain, pain, and pain. <laughs> Mark Cook, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, too. I enjoyed you. had very good questions. I appreciate it. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.